If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. We are the brothers, both DMs and players. I'm the one who's currently swirling a fine old-fashioned at Travis. And I'm the one who chugs sparkling water. Well, like it's like it's water. Jordan! <laughs> Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. Blasting your bad dice mojo with the force of three magical darts for incredible games. So today we're talking about the staple of first level spellcasters all over the world when you go to spell school they give you a book and it says hey welcome and it's got a little cartoon character and he introduces you to magic missile (laughs) (laughs) they put on a educational video program with a little cartoon man howdy folks time to learn magic (laughs) missile (laughs) that's how that's how wizards learn spells magic missile is actually pretty cool And in doing a little bit of research for Magic Missile, I found that what people like to talk about is they just go back and forth about how the damage works, how to roll the dice. How to get max damage. Yeah, how to get, like, (laughs) I saw so many articles that were like, 572 damage for Magic Missile. I was like, well, (laughs) that does not sound like a great game. Predicated on building your entire character in exactly a fine fashion, which you know, arguably would or wouldn't work all the way up to level 20 so that the last 20 levels have pretty much been negated of any character <laughs> building or story driving. It's just... Who needs it? What are you? What's your character doing? I'm trying to do max damage with magic missile. I'll only do it in 30 years. Even the wizards don't like that wizard. Yeah. <laughs> just like, uh, but I mean, if you love figuring out the math and figuring out the official rulings on that stuff, that's totally fine. We're just messing around. But it's, it is kind of cool theory craft to see what you could do. But if you're sitting at the table and it's a hassle to figure out how exactly a little rule works, <laughs> just house rule that shit. And move on. Tell some stories. <laughs> and yeah, Magic Missile is a pretty baller spell. Like, it's cool. It's a staple because... It's what your caster can do. Well, I mean, it's a first level spell. You can do it quite a few times. That means that because it's a staple, it's worth spending some time on imagining what that looks like, imagining how that damage works, imagining putting more grit and realism into the entire process of casting that staple spell. Heck yeah. If you've got that spell as a wizard or a sorcerer, it's so much a part of who your character is because they cast it so frequently. It really says something about its caster. So just for reference, while we're talking about this throughout the episode, let's roll through the basics. It's an evocation spell. Takes an action to cast. 120 feet is the range. 120 feet is pretty good range. Yeah, heckin' yeah. It's got verbal and somatic components. It's instantaneous. And it belongs to the sorcerer and wizard. You create three glowing darts of magical force. Each dart hits a creature of your choice that you can see within range. A dart deals 1d4 plus 1 force damage to its target. The darts all strike simultaneously, and you can direct them to hit one creature or several. At higher levels, when you cast this spell using a spell slot of second level or higher, the spell creates one more dart for each slot above first. So yeah, you can 
launch a whole bunch of cool magical darts. And they hit. And they hit. That's the thing about it. Auto hit. But it could be so much cooler. That's just the rules as written. There's a lot of flavor and a lot of pizzazz that just is not expressed in simply reading the rules. So what, without the rules in there, what do you got? You got some Well, imagine some this. You have a steely-eyed woman facing down five charging gnolls. A blue glint in her eye appears, but not from the rising moon, but from the magic these she begins summoning from her hands. She takes a step back, giving her attackers the impression that she means to run, and perhaps tonight she will, but not before she makes it clear to these beasts that mean to make a meal of her that if they survive this night, it is by her hand that they do. While they charge at her with rusty scraps of metal, she possesses a weapon far more eloquent, one that is based not on strength or speed, but on one's ability to bend the very fabric of the weave to her will. Oh, I'm in it. Five blazing darts spiral out from each fingertip on one hand, and like a shooting star guided by the gods, they strike unerringly, each target directly in their hide-covered chest, stopping their forward momentum and gnashing of teeth, and presumably, if only for a moment, also their notions of an easily won meal. Blood will be shed this night. That's a caster. She's doing some damage. She's She's doing some damage. She reckons shit. (laughs) That's just with magic missile. Can't wait to see what comes next. Level one spell could be super cool if we just put a little extra stank on it. Okay, so that's what this episode is about, right? Adding some stank to magic missile. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we're going to start in Archives of the Ancients, uh, where we're going to talk about force damage, what it might feel like, and what it is. Kinship Camp, where we talk about all the flavor of Magic Missile. How is it learned? How is it summoned? Wildly different ideas for what it looks like. And then we're going to end on Morden's Forge for a really wild Magic Missile-based weapon. And I can't tell you how excited I am for this. <laughs> this is the Archives of the Ancients, where knowledge is unearthed to add wild insights to our world. So Magic Missile is made of force, and there's a lot of talk about what force damage looks like, feels like, touches like, sees like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really not, uh, like, all the rest of the damage types are pretty easy to wrap your brain around. You've got poison. I can imagine what it's like being bludgeoned to death. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, you know, do you dream about that before you fall asleep every night? <laughs> Somebody bludgeoned me. <laughs> tired of this nonsense no but for like fire and ice and you know piercing slashing even necrotic damage you know it is relatively easy to wrap your brain around and visualize and visualize but there's a couple out there that might take a little bit extra umph we're talking to you force so (laughs) from the player's handbook force is a pure magical energy focused into a damaging form most effects that deal with force damage are spells, including magic missile and spiritual weapon. That doesn't really help that much. I mean, sure, now we know it's magic. Yeah. <laughs> we knew that from the name magic <laughs> missile. <laughs> it was inherent. Yeah, the raw energy of magic pulled into this world. That's interesting. And it's like, okay, so I'm pulling all of this magic energy and I'm congealing it into what? Something that hits hard? Well, yeah, that's some people imagine it as magical bludgeoning damage. But again, that's just an invisible club. 
that doesn't really suggest a different type of damage. Yeah, so I would imagine, yeah, if you told me force damage, I kind of picture Star Wars force, you know, like a good heavy push, Heck that yeah. kind of thing. But when you work that over in your brain a couple of times, you're you're left with this invisible club that's just like beaning you in the in the noggin. Mm-hmm. Or an invisible hand grasping your throat as a Sith Lord Jesus <laughs> views your work poorly. The best way to think about it that I've found is as explosive damage, but very controlled to how the caster wants it to be. And I got here with the help of one of our collaborators on the Hook and Chance Discord, Will HB. So thanks, Will. (laughs) Thanks, Will. With Magic Missile, it can hit armor, but it ignores it. So why? Why doesn't armor actually negate any of the real impact of a Magic Missile? Because of the weird rules of explosives. I found a little document from the 1990s from the U.S. government about explosives, and I learned some cool stuff. And we are now on a watch list because (laughs) we've been talking about explosives around our Google Home and Jordan's Googling government documents. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the first time I'm sure D&D research (laughs) has resulted in a watch list. (laughs) If if this podcast stops abruptly, you'll know why. So the effects of an explosion, hot expanding gases are formed in one ten thousandth of a second that exerts 700 tons per square inch on the surrounding atmosphere. Jesus. And it moves away from the point of detonation at 7,000 miles per hour, or a little under 11,300 kilometers per hour for everyone else in the world. There's two phases to an explosion, the positive pressure phase where the pressure's moving out in what's called a shock front. It's actually visible, a white, rapidly expanding circle. So that's that, like, when you see explosion videos, yeah, it just looks like a layer almost. Yeah, that's the air being forced and kind of collected on a on a single plane that's moving outward. Yeah. Yeah. It's compressing the atmosphere as it explodes. Jesus. And as it moves outward, it applies an instant tremendous force on objects in its path. And that shock front is followed by strong winds of this positive pressure phase. Then you've got the negative pressure phase, which is where a vacuum is caused at the point of detonation. Because it's already moved all of that air out. Yeah. After the energy of that positive pressure phase dwindles, that vacuum is filled again by the surrounding atmosphere. And that causes the inward rushing of air, not as powerful as the positive pressure phase, but it still has significant mass, power, and velocity. Wow. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's just this big in and out kind of... Yeah. It's a one-two punch combo, shoves you away, and then slams you back in. Okay. So, you know what this reminds me of? What's that? Do you remember trying to burn that slash pile in the middle of winter with diesel? Vaguely, yeah. Okay. You remember it a lot more uh, vividly, I, I assume. I do. So the way this went down is we were set to the task of burning this really, really large kind of slash pile from parents' property. Jordan and I set out in the middle of winter. Uh, there's probably like two feet of snow around. And, you know, it was ridiculously cold. So it was going to be tough to get this slash pile going. So we had a tiger torch and we just kind of set that down in the bottom. And by the way, take your judgy 
somewhere else. We <laughs> we were being dumb. <laughs> Before you email us and say, that's not how you burn a slash pile. This is how you burn it. Yeah, we know. Uh, <laughs> we know that now as evidenced by the end of the story. <laughs> so we started dumping diesel on the on the fire and thinking, okay, we'll just light the edge and then it'll slowly start down where it's nice and warm and cool in the middle of the slash pile. Well, despite that, by the time we had tried for about an hour to get this thing going finally it caught but neither one of us was ready for it because we were just burning the tiger torch in order to get the heat up inside the slash pile enough that it would actually ignite because i'm scared of a lot of stuff i was standing back and travis was the one actually holding the tiger torch (laughs) well no i i think at that point we had actually set it down on the ground okay and so we just had the tiger torch blowing hot air and a little bit of fire, obviously, inside the slash pile to get the temperature up. And I, we were standing about 10 feet back. And then all of a sudden, you could hear it ignite. And it just did a whoop. And that, I remember the, the feeling of being pulled forward about three feet, like staggering. Kind of like somebody shoved you from your back. Yeah. And I was rocking forward just on my tippy toes. And just before I fell forward, I got lifted up off my toes by a couple of inches and shot backwards because I, you could just feel that uh, an entire wall. It was like many hands just putting their hands on you everywhere on your body and just picking you up and kind of shoving you back about a foot or two. And I remember falling square on my ass with how much force that exerted. Jeez. So if it wasn't for science, we'd probably think that was a bunch of ghosts. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I guess. Ghost hands. <laughs> ghost hands or magic. It could be magic. Yeah. Yeah, Travis got the brunt of it. I was just a little bit farther back and I didn't experience that whole lift, but <laughs> that's pretty crazy. <laughs> and I guess what that means is that, you know, in my mind, magic missile could produce that that launch backward yeah and then maybe even the stagger forward as that like vacuum is is needed to be filled as soon as the magic missile explodes and again this is kind of why you get that uh, why it ignores armor because it's not really affecting the armor it's once it hits it's basically jostling you inside your armor yeah so if you're wearing full plate yeah sure it hits the armor but now it's rearranging the stuff that's inside the armor. Yeah. Even modern uh, armor for explosives is extremely thick and totally different than plate armor. And it still is not a guarantee for all explosives. Mm. Like there's nothing that can protect you from a big boom. From (laughs) the big bada boom. So there'd just be a lot of motion from the recipient of a magic missile. Like as it hits, you're describing it hitting the top of their body or the bottom of their body or dead center mass. Yeah, wherever it does hit, it might spin you around like a, like a good solid punch would yeah. to the shoulder. You know, it just sends you kind of reeling backwards. Well, what happens when you get hit three times in rapid succession? Or hell, you're, you know, you're casting it at a third level spell slot. Now you got five darts that are just pummeling you in yeah. every direction, completely ignoring your armor. And it's a lot, yeah, I, I've visualized it a lot differently than just darts as it describes them because darts would just do a pinprick. 
Well, they might look like darts, but when they do make contact, they, you know, just be by the very nature of force damage, they do a lot more than than that kind of that kind of hit. But yeah, you researched a little bit about directed explosions. Yeah. So they use this in a lot of engineering and destruction applications, but I found it pretty neat because explosives can be shaped with an inward cone in order to produce a very precise jet which can blast a hole in materials like metal that are otherwise really difficult to pierce in the way that you want to. And I imagined when I was reading about that, I imagined this is how magic missiles could be shaped because then they would be doing that direct hit right where it lands. Yeah. Kind of leaving that scorch mark underneath the clothing. Yeah, there you go. And I mean, to that effect as well, when you do have explosions, they reflect all over the place. It's kind of that that effect where if you were to throw, say, well, a small explosive out in the middle of a field, you're going to feel it. It's going to go boom. But if you put it inside of a small area, now all of a sudden that force is reflected off of all of the walls. And that's why, like, you know, the demolition of buildings and things like that is is so effective with explosives because it when you try to trap all of that it actually just reflects that force back and you know they jostle around all over the place like that that force just pinballs yeah so now when you have five darts that are hitting a paladin in plate armor you can imagine all in the same turn one two three four five yeah i mean i mean it suggests that it's simultaneous but yeah, you could do rapid succession. I mean, even imagining if you did five, you it says they all hit, but it doesn't say that they all go in a directly straight line. So you could have some looping around the back and they're kind of just getting like pounded together by all five. Well, and to my point exactly, if they are in in not in rapid succession, but all at the same time, now all of a sudden you're just getting rocked <laughs> inside your plate <laughs> armor. Like... That would hurt. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. And that that's another way to think about how you could direct your magic missile if they're in a hard-to-hit place. I mean, all you need is line of sight. So if a little bit of them's poking out, you can imagine it as a homing missile, or you could just, like, bounce it off of walls if True. you wanted to. Yeah, and so, I don't know. Ultimately, what does, what does that feel like? Like, we've talked about punches, and I don't know. That's not quite accurate because that's super directed. You know, you're only if I if I punch you in the shoulder, you're not going to feel it in your knee. <laughs> yeah, but or my with magic missile, you might. So, as it ripples through your body, yeah, yeah, as it just travels through with all of that force damage. So, I think a lot of people have felt this one <laughs> when you're jumping off of a bridge or a cliff into the water. And you don't do it quite right. Oh. You're going for a cannonball or a flip or something. Yep, you nailed it. And you just get that big old belly flop. Oh. <laughs> that's the worst. That's the worst feeling. And that's exactly what Magic Missile would feel like. Just when it hits that large surface area of your oh. body and you just... <laughs> Everyone that's watching. The wind is knocked like, out of you. Oh. You just biffed it. It's it's embarrassing and it's <laughs> well um, maybe that embarrassment isn't there but definitely the uh, the lasting lingering pain of yeah and the lack of desire to try that maneuver again <laughs> <laughs> ah memories of summer all right well that gives us some ideas for for the next segment 
which will is Kinship Camp, where we're going to talk about some role-playing stuff. This is Kinship Camp, where rich histories and diverse quirks are explored between weary adventurers around the safety of the fire. Magic Missile is a fantastic introduction spell to getting creative with spell descriptions. And I really like this one because, I mean, there's so much that you can do. And the description is not all that evocative in the book. Yeah. Which means that it hasn't really been laid out for you, which means you can get really wild with it. And this is one of those classic spells that I would say is open to such deep interpretation and you can definitely like look at your character and go okay how would my character cast magic missile all it's all it's described really is three darts yeah and three individual pieces of magic that go off and seek their target i think the reason it's so easy to do that is because no matter how you describe it it doesn't change the mechanics where sometimes with other spells it's like okay well does that affect how the spell functions yeah but this one it's like go ham wild yeah it does 1d4 force damage yeah that's it so what i mean starting with the source for your magic missile how does your character bring it into the world how do they summon magic missile well, I mean, you could do just from your hand, you like that's kind of an internal function of like summoning it from the force inside you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could do that. You could rip open the fabric of reality, Ooh. take it in that direction, pulling it from the weave, which in D&D lore, it's that fabric of magic that runs through reality. And that's where spellcasters pull it from, arcane ones anyways. Yeah. And does that come from just the air around it or does it come up from the earth or does it come from like there's so many different interpretations of that they reach their hands into a pocket of invisibility and pull out there some you go. <laughs> magic missile darts how does a character lock on to their target oh yeah that's a good point does your character maintain eye contact and just stare down this creature or once it sees it once your character sees that creature that you're about to launch magic, a barrage of magic missiles onto, do they close their eyes and just sense where they are? Yeah, nice. Do you guide the missiles with your hand, or do they just seek out without any prompting? Mm-hmm. And uh, then, of course, just what do the darts look like? Mm. Anything, everything. Are they little wispy orbs? Are they arrowheads? Are they blades of grass? shards of glass <laughs> do they look like toes he almost had a rhyme there <laughs> grass glass ass <laughs> do they look like tiny asses <laughs> let's go to some other folks that were a little bit better at uh, doing this the first time than than we were with a little bit of cursory reading on reddit there was actually some pretty cool ideas yeah so here's some reddit credit gelatinous noob a Reddit user suggested the effect a bullet has passing through water. Oh, cool. I kind of like that. Yeah, with like the waves. Yeah, like rippling out through the air. Yeah. Almost seems slow motion to the person that's going to get hit. Oh, moment of fear. Yeah, I like that. And Reddit user Dire Waffle suggests it totally depends on who's casting it to me. The scholarly elf pulls a mass of floating blue daggers directly from his spell book that unerringly seek the enemy. The crazy necromancer summons crimson skulls that scream as they spiral towards their intended victim. 
The devout Asimar with no tolerance for evildoers makes a grand gesture as thin white lines connect him to his target and erupt in energy-like electric wires. Cool. Yeah, that one's neat. The egotistical tiefling simply flicks his wrist and red spheres spit from his hand like a shotgun blast before arcing inwards to converge on a single point. Hmm. Nice work, Dire Waffle. Yeah, that's some good stuff. So it can be any beautiful thing you want to think of. (laughs) And I think that kind of started us off on this concept for this segment. Thanks for the idea, Dire Waffle. We're going to take a crack at how magic missiles would change based on some of the classes. And we we went with specifically cross-classed with wizard or sorcerer. Or if just that's how you're theming your your wizard or sorcerer, you don't actually have to take... Yeah, no, you don't have to take uh, actual classes, but just to kind of get that theme across that this is so flexible in terms of how you want to really describe it. Yeah. If you were a base wizard or sorcerer and you took a couple level dip into... Uh, let's start with Paladin. So we wrote up short little introductions for each one of these attempts. So bear with us here. The paladin holds its shining shield aloft at a 45 degree and calls out for the aid of their god. Three beams of light split the sky and reflect off the shield. Their knees buckle slightly under the weight, streaking towards the target. Nice. Coming directly from the gods. Yes, like straight from the heavens and then down and then ricocheting off the shield to kind of arc out wherever the target was and kind of hit. That's cool. And I, I just like imagining those those little blast marks. And if their shield was just like covered in them, Ooh. they'd be like, oh, you must get in a lot of fights. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> just reflect my god's wrath. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What do you got? My worshipper of Torm, the god of justice and righteousness, mm. sends out replication of the holy symbol of Torm, which is a metal gauntlet held palm up. This okay. version would be in a badass fist, <laughs> gauntlet fist, yeah, exuding a divine light, and the somatic components will be drawing that energy down from on high, a bit of a glowing fist, and a controlled intense punching motion towards their enemy. <laughs> cool. And on impact, the imprint of the fist would be visible <laughs> as oh. these three darts yeah like they put tiny little imprints of a fist in yeah <laughs> that's cool i made one for a rogue okay so the rogue whispers the verbal components and each word appearing as a slightly glowing arcane rune so every every utterance has kind of like congeals and coalesces into a visible rune that just floats on the air right over their shoulder. And with every utterance, the floating runes collapse and continue to kind of collapse into each other until you arrive at three faint blue orbs that encircle the head of the rogue until they're ready to cast. And then before the final pronunciation of the last word... It sends them jolting into action towards the target and just kind of streaking quietly. I liked it because the rogue is likely stealth-based. So you've got this rogue kind of whispering underneath their breath. And then you, so that's your, your verbal component. And then your somatic component is just a quick flick of the wrist in a direction of two pointed fingers towards the, the target. And they streak. Like they're being commanded almost. Yeah. Cool. Little servants. Yeah. All right. What do you got for the rogue? Well, my rogue 
is one of those cockier kinds of rogues. <laughs> okay. So they they mime pulling a dagger out of their breast pocket. They don't actually have anything in their hand, and they imitate kind of like some handwork with it, a single flip of the dagger. So I can't see. Right. The Okay, I see. To a to an enemy, it might even seem like they're just, you know, oh, mocking you. Yeah, just being a bit of an ass. Yeah. And then as soon as they take the action, they reach their hand back and take the action of throwing the dagger. And as soon as the imaginary dagger leaves their hands, it turns into a real one and splits into three <laughs> and just sinks into a line in their chest. <laughs> nice. That's good. Cool. Uh, well, here's one for Warlock. I took the approach of the usual horrific warlock uh, probably gathers its power from a devil or a demon. And I like the uh, the imagery of dry ice. You know, the way dry ice, uh, oh, yeah. the, the smoke just rolls. kind of, the fog cascades down everything. Well, what if your warlock just had this demonic red smoky wisp that started pouring out from the eyes, the nose, the mouth, like an open agape mm. mouth and all of this just kind of coalesces into their hand. And then finally, when, they, when they're ready to cast, they just clasp that hand and all of that smoky wisp kind of like they're trapping it. Yeah. And now it's, it's coalesced into this one. Uh, actual physical. Yeah, like three bodies of, of magic missile. And now they can basically just underhand throw this and all of those, those shards kind of seek out. Nice. Yeah, I love the dry ice look. I want to get just tons of dry ice in our D&D room. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, mine, I like the darkness of the warlock and having it come from their interior as well, from their soul or whatever you want to call it. I like the great old one because we recently did an episode on aboliths and all that dark stuff. So I imagined a warlock hunching over in pain as a wave of energy rolls through their skin visibly from their core. You're seeing their skin pulse. And each one resulting in a dark purple mucus exuding from their pores and like worming its way towards their hands. Barf! <laughs> After it's built up, it, it leaps from their hands as kind of this nasty little gelatin. <laughs> and uh, it just kind of suctions onto the target and absorbs right into their skin. Oh, gross. <laughs> Good Lord. Nobody that's likes a, that. That's a mucus transfer. <laughs> From me to you, <laughs> my gift. Pack a little disease in there. <laughs> Gross. Okay, what about a druid? Yeah, okay. So imagine as the enemy, there are echoes as if from a great distance, screeches. And faster than the enemy can register what is happening, they look upon the druid that has their arms outstretched and under their arms comes three ghostly apparitions of falcons that streak squarely towards their target like a laser. Yeah. And then just strike with that immediacy and just knocking ghostly apparitions, just impacting upon the enemy. Yeah. And you either have them go through. Yeah, I can totally imagine that just the whomp in the chest. That or they receive yeah like you said kind of they they go straight through and with that is that that impact but they're traveling yeah straight through the enemy cool that could be a i mean if you actually did cross class as a druid that could be a lesser manifestation of some of those higher level druid abilities 
oh, where yeah. they're actually summoning animals. Like that's the spirit of those animals. But yeah. Now here's the real animal. And yeah, now they're taking form. Yeah. You know, you could follow that with some kind of yeah, summon some wolves. You know, it could be a wolf. Mm-hmm. Sky wolf with wings. Sky- <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? I got. Uh, got a little nasty with this one again. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I like it nasty. <laughs> it's a druid. It's a nature person. <laughs> yeah, just swamp druids are gross. Oh, okay. So a druid with a heavy, well-worn cloak vomits three eyeballs into their hands. God <laughs> damn. They melt into their rapidly heating and sizzling flesh before popping back uh, out, of, out of their why? fingertips. <laughs> It's one of those druids that doesn't get a lot of human interaction. All right. Not a lot of social skills. <laughs> I can tell why. Because <laughs> it comes from me. These eyeballs are popping back out of their fingertips, darting around as they look in different directions before they settle on their target and start kind of like doing a wave through the air, like bobbing through the air as they as they seek out their target and explode violently on impact. Nope. Just these little... Nope, I'm out. I'm out. No thanks. You don't want to fight me? You know, your magic missile doesn't hit because I was out of there as soon as you barfed up three eyeballs. <laughs> I used my bonus action to dash. Good call. Jesus. I got a lot more weird stuff in here. <laughs> oh, well, that was gross and visceral and... Yeah. So keep going. Just go forever. <laughs> we could go forever on this. It's super fun. There's no limits to what your magic missile can be. Yeah, so give your characters some thought and and figure out what their theme is and and what their what their jam is. How many eyeballs they have inside them. <laughs> cool. Okay, let's uh, move on to our final segment. This is Morden's Forge, where raw materials are reshaped, honed into tools and weapons for the most incredible of quests. Okay, Travis. So you're pretty jazzed about this weapon. You want to tell us? Uh what we've got cooking yes so we wanted a dangerous siege weapon like a a scary siege weapon for our homebrew campaign our homebrew campaign is very kind of low magic world but this is one of the few places where there's actually a lot of magic and a lot of really weird magic because the city's been isolated for a long time so we wanted something that felt really kind of interesting and different like the the players wouldn't have ever thought that this was possible so and if a body of power gets their hands on one spell like magic missile what are they going to do with it (laughs) (laughs) you weaponize that shit (laughs) so this all started from this interesting idea that what if you had like a a gatling gun that was belt fed by multitudes of scrolls of magic missile that were just like inscribed <laughs> on on a scroll and as ridiculous as as this might be we found it to be balanced enough to actually make an appearance in our game because once we started building the mechanics for it they're like oh actually this isn't out of line with some higher level spells um it's definitely more powerful than say uh the typical siege weapons like a ballista yeah but it's in line with how much you should fear a siege weapon yes like you don't charge a siege weapon (laughs) so this would definitely be aimed at crowd control kind of stuff for like keeping back invaders from a city wall uh definitely not for like destroying buildings and things like that but as you know if you're trying to make some kind of attack on a well-fortified place 
this would fit right in there and be terrifying as your, you know, your players are running from cover to cover to try to get closer to their objective. Yeah. So it's called the Magic Missile Auto Wand. Which, as every cool weapon has a nickname, the Maw. <laughs> <laughs> we, you can download all of the stats on our Patreon, so you can, you'll be able to find all of that there. But to give you the kind of quick runaround on this item, the item essentially functions. It requires a spellcaster to kind of sit on the turret. So there's like a turret aspect to it where it can be swiveled and turned. And there is one operator that that manages the aiming. And then because it's it's a magical turret, you need somebody with some kind of magical aptitude to focus all of the energies, all of the magics that is going into this item and kind of channel and make sure that that, that magic is, is being cast mm-hmm. very rapidly. <laughs> but the turret does all of the casting. So it kind of provides the somatic components. And so you have the verbal that is missing from this. So that's where the spellcaster comes in, is they're just kind of rattling through these spell scrolls that are being fed in. Yeah, and I don't know. You could you could use spell scrolls. You could not use spell scrolls. Yeah. I mean, it could... Just a fun idea, but... it's Yeah, we thought it was you pretty could go amusing. Without. <laughs> you could go without, but... I also really like the idea that there is, you know, this turret that is two-person manned. One has to aim. The other one is just focusing on keeping it all together because it is, like, pulling all of this magic out of the spellcaster and all of their magical aptitude in order to fire this thing at a rapid pace that's way quicker than you would normally be able to. If I'm some higher-up diplomat within a city, I don't want to risk the lives of 10 spellcasters as I say, okay, I'm going to arm you with magic missile. Everyone has had a long rest today, yes. Everyone's well-trained in the (laughs) casting of magic missile. Yeah, so I'm going to put 10 people on the wall so they can all cast magic missile in the middle of a war, or I could replace that with one turret and one spellcaster and an assistant to aim that person. Yeah. So... The way this device works is round after round, it's like doubling down. And so basically there's five rounds to get up to full speed and max damage. It's, you know, it starts with three darts. And then the second round, you're up to five, seven, nine, 11 darts at full speed. Nice. Yeah. So it takes a bit. And by by that time, you're doing 11 darts worth of damage, which, uh, you know, it's going to kind of equal around that like 38 40 mark yeah if you're actually rolling you're gonna get pretty consistently like 35 to 40 and that's pretty significant for doing guaranteed damage on site yeah yeah exactly and especially like what if your players got their hands on this thing yeah you know and against the the dragon or something like that like, this fun. would be an effective weapon uh but it does take some time to get up because like again on that first round you're only doing roughly 10 damage and then it jumps up to 18, and then 24, 32, 38. Uh, so it just kind of keeps ramping up. So when you're sustaining fire with this weapon, once you hit that fifth round, that max damage, you got to roll a d20 because this thing is heating up with all that mag- magic energy <laughs> rolling through it. Well, very similar to how a, uh, a wand of magic missile would work. If you expend all of the charges of that magic missile wand, 
it has a chance of of disintegrating of whatever it is yeah, yeah of not functioning anymore so yeah now you've got this like thing firing at at nine darts per round yeah it's it has a chance of not functioning <laughs> so on a one or two of that d20 the auto wand explodes causing 60 10 force damage to everyone within 10 feet of it Eesh. so mm. it's a little bit of a risky item yeah it also is a little more fragile than the typical siege weapon because this is all magic based so it doesn't have as high hit points as you would say find on a ballista or on a trebuchet or something like that so skilled users are letting it cool down so every round spent not firing the weapon allows it to do so it takes an amount of rounds to cool it down equal to the amount of rounds to warm it up warming it up so you know you you get to that fifth level you roll once you're okay you stop firing the next round it's at level four and of course you could come up with all <laughs> kinds of extra ideas for this as i was tempted to do you could have uh, attachments and and enhancements to this weapon like the divination lens because i was thinking to myself if someone gets behind cover they're pretty much immune to yes. this weapon so you slap a divination lens on the front of the uh the operator <laughs> and it's a, a small metal frame that once a creature is struck by the first dart, an image of that creature will fill the divination lens and, and f- it follows their movements and actions. So that line of sight can't be broken even by cover. So it ignores cover and goes around. Unless you switch targets. Ah. <laughs> so all of the stat blocks for this, if you want to use this in your campaign, giver, uh, be very careful. It's a dangerous weapon. I would say it isn't wholly unbalanced. Um, and I like to imagine it being as more for one of those like crazy encounters, not it, as something that the players get access to regularly or... Yeah, it's a bit of a set piece. Yeah. Yeah. And just one of those things to like put a little bit of fear into the players when they see that on a on a wall of a city that they're going to try and scale the walls of or something yeah, like as that. As they're rolling up to town, they see like a small group of bandits or creatures trying to attack the walls. And all of a sudden, these magic missiles just start. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty cool. cool visual. All right. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks again to Will HP, who hangs out with us in our Patreon supporter uh, Discord writing channel. And thanks to a couple of those Reddit users for letting us build off of your ideas. Thanks, Dire Waffle and Gelatinous Noob. Thanks to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects you hear in this episode. Oh, yes, all of those juicy sound effects. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and Reddit. Thanks, and thanks for, listening. for listening. And play, play great, great games! games.